Hi, and welcome to the Suicide Prevention Show. We are here waking up the world. And we have been on this journey and something happened, but it didn't happen this year. And it didn't happen in this life. It happened in my mama's life, my grandmama's life. Those are things that we don't usually talk about because sometimes we don't even know about but let's go and heal and walk a path out of generational trauma with my friend, Antoinette Terrell. So please help me welcome her to the studio. Hello, hello. There you are. I can almost see you there. I can see you. Hi, Jackie. How are you? I am well. This is such magic that we have with the technology. I know. This is great. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, you are very, very welcome. When it comes to, I mean, all right, this is a serendipitous moment because we met through the current online speed dating kind of thing, but it wasn't social media. It was my affiliation with a chamber of commerce. Mm -hmm. So, hey, happened to be a holistic chamber of commerce. And you just stumbled across my stuff and said, Hey, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, I'll talk to anybody. No, it doesn't, you know? <laughs> I was very, very pleased to be able to make a new connection. And it was unusual for me. Most people don't pick up the phone and call. Okay. No. And, and so you picked up the email, I think first, but however it was, we connected. So that led to a conversation about what I'm up to and my saying, I don't know, you got an idea, you I think you'd be fun to interview. And you said, no. I did. You said no. <laughs> I did. And I accepted that. And then a little funky thing happened with my summit. And by the way, anybody who hosts anything live, I had someone who said, mm, I can't do it, Jackie. And I'm like, okay. It's going to work out. It always does. And that very same day, I got your message that said, hey, is there still space? <laughs> That's right. That's right. I did. <laughs> yeah. So I'm so grateful. So grateful. Pardon me. Now that I have uh, taken care of what happens when I rush, the conversation about generational trauma, when did you start becoming aware that this was a topic you wanted to talk about? Um, I always, I've always talked about it. You know, I've always talked about generational trauma. It's, it's, you know, I was a single mom and as soon as I became a single mom, I knew that whatever happened before me does not continue with my child. And so I've instilled that very young in her that it ends with her, whatever that is. And so I became self-aware as soon as I got pregnant with her. So very much so. And that's, I talk, you know, I raised her that in that sense. Um, I raised her in that way of understanding, you know, that our future doesn't have, you know, our past doesn't have to dictate our future. Um, so that's, I was very aware of all that stuff early on. All right. So there's this moment in a story where yes. I go, there's more here. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So single mom. Yes. All right. So from single mom to single mom, 
what happened to the ideal of we're going to be together and grow old together and raise our kids together? Okay, this is great. Um, so I was, you know, in college in, um, you know, full-time student, you know, got to, you know, got together and fell in love and, you know, got pregnant. But I learned early on that our relationship wasn't um, a match. Um, mm -hmm. And I wanted to, you know, I needed to get out. And so I was five months pregnant when I decided to, to leave. Um, you know, I didn't have any relationships with my own parents. I didn't have any relationship with any relatives. I didn't have any friends or family, you know, friends. And so I was pregnant, uh, homeless, jobless, all at the same time. So, <laughs> so it was very, uh, I just knew that, you know, that's when I found, you know, that's when I'm a believer and that's when Jesus just, you know, my cousin said, give Jesus a try. And I was just overcome with that sense of peace, knowing that Jesus was going to take care of me in that moment and that, you know, that everything was going to be okay in whatever that is. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, how being a single parent, I just knew that it was going to be her and me against the world. And, and I was going to do whatever it takes to make sure she was safe. So when I became a mom, I, I took myself out of the equation. You know what I mean? Like I didn't focus on me. I had to focus on her. And then knowing that my, my background and past and experience, if you will, you know, I just wanted to do something different, something better for her. Okay. So you alluded to this. We're going to go there a little bit because okay. we're talking generational trauma. Yes. You said you did not have a family Correct. relationships. You right. had the one cousin, yes. you know, thank God. Um, I, but your family of origin, as they say, was not present in your life when you were a college student. Not at all. I didn't have a good relationship with any of my family members, my parents at all, not at all. So I was just alone. And you know, when, before I got pregnant with her, I was trauma, it, you know, my life was trauma, so much trauma, my, my, my feelings, you know, I was trauma and, you know, I, there was just so much trauma and emotional instability. So yeah, you got to give us another word other than trauma. So what was it like living in this Traumatic, chaos. emotional, chaos. It, yeah, that's all I knew. Chaos, you were a college student. How did chaos show up in your life? That's all I knew because, well, okay, I w I'm a child abuse survivor. Um, I'm a domestic abuse survivor. So that's all I knew. You know, I'm a recovered drug addict. That's all I knew from, you know, from a young age until I, you know, I was a college student. I know I knew nothing else but that's where it all started from but when i became got pregnant with her and, and i was a single mom i knew that i didn't want to continue that for my child ah got it okay so you made a decision you don't want to continue it correct you found a place of faith that you could rest correct then what happened oh that wasn't you know uh Come on, it didn't end there and everything it didn't. puppy dogs and roses and it butterflies. Did. You know what? It didn't. Gosh, it didn't end <laughs> there. Um, you know, 
I just started, you know, I just, I remember just sitting when I was pregnant with her, just saying, okay, it's just me. I was just overcome with love, you know, just this love and peace, but I just knew that I needed to do some steps. So there were a couple of people that were in my life at the time that, you know, angels, right? Uh, somebody took me in who had no relation to, to my, to, to her father and I, and just said, you know what, you know, if you need a place to stay, I'll come take care of you. Right. So she took me in and I lived with her during the last trimester. Um, and then, you know, of course, I did turn back to my parents because that's all I knew while I, you know, when I was getting when I was delivering. So I ended up living with my mom um, right after I delivered her. But um, it was challenging. But there's so much trauma just because my parents were trauma, trauma, traumatizing, if you will. And they just didn't have they didn't parent the way I felt that I needed to be parent. And I didn't want to instill that or put my daughter in that type of environment. So there was just so many, it was just chaotic. So you were at a place of peace, making the adult decision of how am I going to support my kid? Yes. And now you're in a place of drama and trauma and chaos. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, then after, you know, I, I went back to work, I found a full-time job through a friend who, you know, another friend who we're still good friends today. Um, and I got a full-time job and, you know, my daughter went to the daycare on site. And that's when I just started to, you know, have a sense of peace. You know, you know, I just knew that it was just time to, 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 to grow up and just take care of my daughter. So that's all, that's how it happened really. <laughs> it's called motivation. Absolutely. I yeah. was definitely motivated and I just, I was just determined to make her life better, just her life better without thinking that I was in the rights. It was also helping me, but I didn't know at the time. Ah, you didn't know at the time. Correct. I didn't. Now, those are going to be famous last words, I got a feeling, as we go on this journey. How old is your daughter now? 27. Oh, my God. I would never have guessed. <laughs> All right. So, so, so 27 years later, we've got this whole other story. How long did it take before you established your own place? Okay. So I ended up having a roommate um, who was also a single mom and both of our kids were the same age. Um, and then I met my husband. Um, so my husband has been in my, you know, in our lives since she was two. Um, and I just, then I found my own place. I, I mean, I literally woke up one day living with this roommate and I said, okay, I just, I need to have my own space without thinking. I mean, it all happened in a weekend. I just, you know, an apartment down the street. I just, you know, I moved in uh, and then I, then I met my husband. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So this all happened within a couple of, you know, a, in, when she was two um, and then we were together and, you know, for like five years before we decided to move forward in our relationship. So he practically helped me raise her um, in that sense. But yeah. It's, it's interesting to, to talk about that now. <laughs> it's the power of a decision. Absolutely. It's the power of a decision. Now we're talking about a concept of making the decision to leave behind the yes. chaos. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
and then there was healing. So let's talk about the shift because we're talking about healing, you know, generational trauma here. Yes. And so did you have any relationship with your parents? Um, once you moved out? So, you know, I, once I moved out and, you know, yes. And the interesting thing about that is, you know, they would see how I parent, they observed, if you will, they observed how I parent my daughter and they were just so proud because, you know, I remember them saying, oh, look at, look at you, Antoinette, you're, 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 you're the way your parent, your daughter is, you know, she was a good kid. She was easygoing. Um, and so they saw, oh, look at her. She's such a great kid, you know, when she was young. And so it, it just, they were proud of me, but the healing really didn't start there. I think it only began, true healing began probably about five or six years ago, to be honest. <laughs> what I, I absolutely appreciate honesty because the elephant in the room is that things don't often happen in ways that are nice, neat, and clean. Correct. Especially, I mean, you know, we're humans. So we are like round objects hitting round objects, you know. It doesn't always go the way it did in fairy tales. Yeah, no, it was, it wasn't an easy journey. Um, but yeah, uh, after my husband and I got married, um, we found ourselves, you know, we owned a business and, um, you know, it was just the three of us. It was the three of us for a long time. Um, you know, cause then we had, we had a, my son and, but my kids are 12 years apart. Ah. So there's a lot, there's a lot of things that happened in that 12 years. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't get to open loops like that on my show. We get to talk about it. All right. So a lot of things that happened in those 12 years. Okay. So after my, my husband and I got together, the, tr the trauma or the curses continued, if you will. Um, I thought I was at a point where, you know, my relationship with uh, my fam my parents, you know, was in a better spot, in a better place. Um, but because they weren't healing, even though I was kind of sort of healing, you know, it was, it wasn't, we weren't connecting, mm -hmm. right? We weren't, um, we weren't fine. You know, there wasn't a, I don't know what the word is. I'll come back to that. But we, we didn't have a, a connection. We weren't in the same place. Um, so as, you know, as I continue to, you know, move forward in my, in my life with my husband and daughter, and then I get pregnant with my son, um, in between that time, you know, it was touch and go. And I remember just having fights with my parents, um, every, like, it's like seasonally, right? You would have a, an argument with, you know, I would have this argument with par my parents seasonally. And it was just, all of a sudden you start to realize the cycle right the cycle of of the same our type of arguments um the same it was just that's when you're like okay there's a lot of i just wanted off that roller coaster of trauma chaos because you weren't going anywhere it was just the Correct. loop of a roller coaster absolutely it was just the loop yes so there's power in being able to stand back far enough to see the pattern yes so much power and that actually happened maybe about six years ago when I said, okay, I'm done. I, I don't want any part of this, but it's like a breakup. It's like when you break up, you know, you're break, literally breaking up with your family 
and you're just tight, you know, you're creating healthy boundaries for myself because of all that chaos and it, you're just breaking up with your family and that's very painful, but it's all, it was, I was just done. I was just done. And I said, okay, enough is enough. And so that's when the true healing began. So that's really interesting because making that decision doesn't necessarily lead to action or healing. Correct. What was the action that you took? Well, I mean, I knew that I need, so I started going to, there's a, you know, um, it, because I'm a recovered drug addict um, and I, I knew that I needed healing, I went through Celebrate Recovery, you know, um, it's like a, you know, it's a faith-based organization to help, you know, with hang-ups, hurts, and hang-up, ha habits, hang-ups, hurts, and habits, habits. And so I needed support in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I started attending that. Um, I just started reading a lot of books, you know, reading a lot of books, personal development books. And, you know, I just started going to church, you know, that's when the true healing began for me. Um, if that answers that question. <laughs> well, and it, it does. And it begs for more questions because okay. we all have the support systems that help us walk through, yes. especially things like this. And for you to have found a support system that would support you as you were setting a boundary, walking away. What, and that was really what I was curious about was with your parents. Yes. How did you communicate to them that you were done? Ah, uh, yeah, that's the conversation I want to have. Um, it wasn't pleasant but i just said okay i'm done um i literally that was it i said i'm done and i cut off all ties with my family every single one of them you know i you know whether facebook on social media um blocked all their cell phone numbers you know blocked all their emails it was very intentional because that is the type of boundaries that i needed to heal and that's what helped me um so i i isolated myself purposely from the people who I needed to break that cycle from, if you will. Um, so it was, it was not just a breakup. It was an absolute decision. There wasn't any iffiness about this. Itself. There was no iffiness. I just knew I was like, I was done. I was just completely done and I needed out. And so, um, yeah, I blocked everyone. I mean, siblings, parents, every, every aunts, uncles, cousins, you name it, anybody that had any connection to them, I just, I was just done because I needed to focus on why I was always feeling that way. And so I learned that was the best way to do it. Okay. You focused on why you were always feeling that way. Yes. What is that way? What does that mean? Anger. Um, uh -huh. I, was, okay. <laughs> I was always angry. I was always i had anxiety i you know just i was depressed i was sad i mean i need you know i didn't feel i didn't feel good about myself you know i was just um i was a mess i was a mess and i needed to find out why you know i needed to learn i needed to find out who antoinette was again was again who the true antoinette is and that's what i that's what i did that's really a gutsy move. 
I mean, very few of us take that kind of decisive action. Yes, that's, yeah, so that's, that's not easy because you're literally, it's like a breakup. It really is. And, and you know, you're, when you have this, oh gosh, with your parents and siblings and cousins that you grew up with and you have this long relationship, but yet you're the familiar, familiarity the, mm -hmm. you know, and you're trying to, it's not an easy task. It's such a, it's a brave thing to do, but it's painful. It's extremely painful to do. And I, I was just done. I was done. The pain was just too, too much. It, it, yeah. So the pain that you were in staying in the relationship was greater than the pain you experienced ending that relationship, which is often how we have to get to before we could end a relationship. Correct. Yeah. So this is a very brave journey and it was brave when you did it. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's even braver now that you're sharing it. And I greatly appreciate the fact that you are because the inability to take decisive action on this kind of traumatic chaos that you were experiencing in your life, that inability can be so debilitating. You know, we just were talking about zero tolerance and, and you're talking about a story where you tolerated family-based drama, trauma, and chaos for a long time after you moved out of the house. Very, for a long time, for a very long time. Um, and so I know nature abhors a vacuum and that there's a bunch of things that, that could have happened after you had that decisive action. What did happen? I went to therapy. <laughs> I went to talk therapy who I, you know, I knew probably a year and a half into that decision that I was done that I needed to go to therapy. Actually, I knew probably when I was in my 20s and 30s that I needed to go to therapy. Um, I did, you know, I did go to therapy, um, but not as, you know, intentional, you know, ready to do the work kind of thing. Um, so within that six, you know, in 2015, 2016, I, I, I knew I needed to go to see a therapist. Mm -hmm. So by 2016, I said, okay. And I was going to this therapist three days a week for, 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 for a couple of years because I was just so, I was in so much pain and so much, I mean, I was just so unhappy. Um, I, I, I cried all the time. I was just, I didn't, and I, at that time, I didn't know, like I couldn't forgive. I couldn't let go of the stuff that was, that happened to me when I was growing up. Like all that stuff came, you know, started to manifest, you know, in 2016. When you say manifest, you mean it started to, the memories started to bubble up and you were absolutely just, okay. you know, my first, the first time I got hit, the first time, you know, I started doing drugs, the, the first time of everything, you know, and, 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 and it just was too much. The, the pain was too much to bear. And so I went to talk therapy. I started going three days a week. Um, you know, I still continue to read. And then, you know, I also needed to do this for my, for my present 
you know, for my family, you know, I needed to become a better mom. I needed to become a better wife and just, you know, I just, I didn't want to continue on the, that destructive chaos into my current, you know, to my, my marriage. That you was know, a decision you made with your daughter before she was born that you didn't want her to have that experience. And so now you are taking a, a set of actions to change that experience again, even more absolutely. so. Absolutely. You know, I wanted to become, you know, I, my grandparents were divorced. My parents were divorced. Divorce open, almost happened in my own marriage. You know, my, my daughter doesn't have her, her parents together. I didn't, and I didn't want my son to go through that, you know, and also, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want to continue that on because it was, it's such an easy thing to do. It really is, you know, running away, running away. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so what did you run towards when you stopped running away? What did you run towards? Love. I ran towards love. I ran towards peace. I ran towards Jesus. I ran just, I ran towards letting go of the old and closing the door to that, welcoming the new. And even it's, you know, I'm so comfortable. I was comfortable in chaos, mm. right? And then when you're transitioning over to the peace, that's not easy because it's different, but it's not wrong. So I just needed to transfer, transition over, and that's what I was running to. And that's what I learned. Just because you're comfortable in the chaos doesn't, and you want, and you know mentally that you want out, doesn't mean that the other, the goodness is wrong or it's bad. And that's, I was just ready. I was just ready to, to, to accept whatever it is because it had to be better. It had to be better. <laughs> There's gotta be something better than this. Yeah, it's a great song. And, and so that's the point that you were at is that there's gotta be something better than this. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool, and, and I love the fact that you didn't have to have it clearly defined what you were running towards. You know, as far as what it was actually gonna look like other than you knew you wanted your family to stay together. Oh, absolutely. I just wanted love. I wanted to focus on the love, the happiness of my, my husband, my, my children. It wasn't about me, right? I just knew that I needed to show up better for them. So in, in, in being able to help serve them and being able to show up as a better wife and as a better mom. When did you start putting yourself into the mix again? Oh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um, probably in the last four years. Um, you know, I just wanted to create more like, you know, make, create more memories with my family. I took a leap of faith, you know, um, and just wanted to just experience more fun with them. So about four years ago, I just decided I took a leap of faith and just wanted to insert myself back in, if you will. That's really, really a beautiful story. It's a really beautiful story. So while all of this chaos and all of this shift and all of these transitions were going on in the background, you and your husband were running a business. 
So, so my husband and I, yes. So we used to run a business um, it, for 10 years from 2000 to, to 2010 when oh. all that trauma was still happening, all that chaos was happening. Wow. Um, it wasn't easy because we lived together, we worked together, and we were together 24 seven. Um, a lot of people are experiencing that right now. So whatever helped you all survive, that would be a good tip to share. You know, um, space. I've learned that we've learned that we don't have to be in each other's space all day long. <laughs> um, you know, um, but back then we didn't know how to respect each other's space. Mm. And that's, I think, why today it's just so much easier now that we're home 24-7. <laughs> yeah, now that you're back in the same kind of in each other's space all the time. Yeah, it works, you know. And also, I I have a servant, you know, I want to serve my husband and I'm, 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 I want to serve my son to make their life easier so they can focus on what they need to do because my job is to serve my family um, in that sense, in making their lives better. And at the same time, I get to do what I need to do. <laughs> and that, that's, I realized that, that was a missing piece for me in your story mm. because a servant can only serve when they have the energy to do so. And if we don't put ourselves into the mix to get what we need to feed our own soul, we start running on empty. Yeah, this is what some people call burnout. Um, you know, I, I call it sort of hollowness. And so I was, that's why I was like, I know that you put yourself back in the mix because you know, you show up as someone who is not running on empty. No, I, you know, as moms, you know, we tend to neglect our, our self care. We can. Um, because we have our tendency, you know, women in general, we just give, give, give. Um, especially, you know, when you have your, your kids and, and you want to be able, you do that, you know, unconditionally, you do that naturally. But if you don't fill your own cup with whatever it is that makes you happy, you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup for sure. That's true. Can't pour from an empty cup. So I'm really glad that you put yourself back into the mix. What was that really like for you when you made that decision? What did you have to let go of? Um, <laughs> everybody else's expectation of me you know, who I was as a child to my parents. Um, that's a big one. Um, and it's, so it, I had to be okay with that. If they didn't agree with who I was becoming as their child, mm -hmm. you know, being that I just needed to break from that. Um, just anybody's expectation, if you will. Um, just being accepting of who I am, you know, God created me the way I am. Um, just because you know we don't see eye to eye doesn't necessarily mean that I'm wrong. It's just different. Oh, there we go. Now that's a big statement. Just <laughs> because we don't see eye to eye doesn't mean that I'm wrong. My mind immediately went to, hmm, that must mean that you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't think was what you meant, but that's the, the boomerang in my head. So yeah. let's, let's try this again. Just okay. because we don't see eye to eye, that doesn't mean that I'm wrong and you're, or that I'm right and you're wrong and you're right and I'm wrong. 
we're just different. We just have differences of opinion. And I think that's the biggest challenge that we see in today's society, but as in, in my own family, you know, my parents, you know, they grew up in a, in a time, you know, they, they're from the Philippines. They grew up at a time where, you know, culturally it's different, you know, it's different era. Um, so, you know, the, the Filipino culture, they have a tendency to just continue the culture um, as we move along, but it's different. And I think that was the biggest challenge for me uh, is because it's not, you know, culturally that, you know, it's just different, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It was just not right for you. Correct. Yeah. So, so that's, and that's really a key piece. I think when you're talking about generational trauma, there is an aspect of culture that mm -hmm. often gets overlooked. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. What is acceptable in certain cultures may not be acceptable once you get out of that culture Correct. and vice versa. You know, what Correct. wasn't acceptable in a culture might be perfectly acceptable once you're outside of that. You know, some people stay in a culture and change the culture, um, not my style. No. So, yeah, I, I picked my battles and that, you know, of course, what am I doing now? I'm trying to change a culture. All right, never mind. Forget that I said that. We're going to backtrack, delete that one. Maybe we'll <laughs> edit that piece out um, because I just like realized, oh, wait a minute, Jackie, that is so not true anymore. Um, I do pick my battles. And it took a lot for me to pick this one. It took a lot for you to pick the battle that you picked, which was, I'm not willing to tolerate this anymore. Correct. I'm, yeah, I'm done. I love it. Yeah, just, I'm done. I was. Sounds yeah. so clean. And yet it was actually messy and took a long time. And the healing didn't happen overnight. So we're not coming into this saying there's a magic wand you can wave and there's a three-step formula that makes it all better. Yeah. But there are some things that help. Tools. Yes. Cool. Favorite tools. tools. What are your favorite tools? Books. Um, definitely books, you know. Um, Rattle off the top two or three because I know you have your favorites. I can see it in your eyes. Well, the book that stands out the most um, it, right now is, you know, Finding the Hero in Your Husband, because ah. I forgot who the author is. Finding the Hero in Your Husband is a great book because I, you know, I started to be mindful of how, you know, his, you know, my husband's parents are together, uh, but my parents are not, you know, and I'm married. So obviously there's a difference. Um, from how we grew up. So finding the hero in your husband. Um, gosh, um, The Bait of Satan is a great book um, because we're in a, it, under a lot of offenses. You know, people get offended. Just because we get offended doesn't mean we have to react in that sense. And that's in all relationships. Okay, um, so, so that, that, thank you. Because with the title, like The Bait of Satan, I would not have expected it to be so immediately applicable to oh. the current day culture. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so there was a huge assumption on my part. And part of that's because I came from an evangelical Christian background. That's my grandfather and his yes. grandfather. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but so what you're telling me is the bait of Satan is about the offensive, the tendency to be offended easily. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I've had people say, Jackie, that's what they mean when they say it's a snowflake culture. 
We're afraid that our children are going to melt if they hear something that they don't agree with mm -hmm. or that upsets them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that look at what offends you. Mm -hmm. So what's the message in this bait of Satan? Because now I'm, now I'm intrigued. I might have to get that one. So um, basically people, you know, that's the bait of Satan. People are getting offended. And that's what's destroying, um, in my opinion, society today is because everybody's getting offended by political party and we don't have to, we won't go there. Religion, we won't go there. Um, but uh, culture, right? I think um, people, you know, we had, I'm a really believer that we're, you know, we're, we're all, you know, we all bleed red and to ashes we shall return. Um, so when you get offended by the different cultures and, you know, political, it, you, you're not giving anybody space to allow them to be freely who they are. And so I'm going to get offended because we don't see eye to eye in, in, or agree. That's not being, you know, no, I call that handing. I call that handing somebody an emotional remote control. I have just given them permission to I push agree. my emotional buttons. Exactly. So I'm loving this conversation because I absolutely am going to get that book. Thank you. Yeah, the idea that we can start to have this conversation that says, "What's the problem with being offended?" Well, the problem is that you have zero control over your own emotions yeah. and you're blaming somebody else yep. for how you're feeling. Yep. So there's zero accountability. There's, there's a lot of zeros in here that are not positive as far as having, being able to build a relationship. Mm -hmm. And yet we have certain aspects of our culture that are saying we have to accommodate their offendedness. I'm like, Mm, nope. I don't agree. <laughs> yeah. Don't okay. Agree. So I love that. All right. So we've got finding the hero in your husband, yep. which always begs the question to me, does it have a chapter about finding the hero in yourself? You know, you have to be the hero for your husband as well, for yourself to be the hero, finding the hero in your husband, right? But absolutely, ah, you cool. have to be the, so it's, it's, the title, like the bait of Satan, the title was very um, painful to, 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 you know, just the title itself. It's like finding the hero in my husband. But, you know, if I don't like my husband, you know, there's no hero in there. But it's, it really just changes your perspective. You know, it's just a little change in your perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what that book helped, um, just like the bait of Satan did too. Um, I'm currently reading Atomic Habits, um, which is... <laughs> phenomenal phenomenal book um but reading books um like just to go back to your original question is mm -hmm. you know the one that really helped the most yeah it's what cool. we're currently reading is really really interesting you're currently reading atomic habits i just finished reading talking to strangers oh I, okay and so talking to strangers is a malcolm gladwell book and okay. i have become a fan because he's so engaging in how he shares things and his i mean his skill as a writer is amazing and his concepts are grounded in real examples mm, okay and i had no clue when i picked the book up that the first story was going to have a sentence in it that said 
and she was put in jail. And three days later, she took her own life and died by suicide in a jail cell. And I went, what the heck? The books are talking to strangers. And at the end of the book, after he tells the, the presenting part of that story, and he goes through his whole arguments, at the end of the book, he comes back to that original story. Now that he's given us these powers of perception, and he goes back to that original story, looking at it through the lens of these are the conditionings of the two people involved, mm-hmm. you know, of the woman who got pulled over and of the cop. And these are the conditions they brought to the, the conversation that each was totally unaware of the other's worldview, the other's mm-hmm. point of view. Mm-hmm. And so, and it escalated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they were both entrenched in what they believed was true. So I'm always looking for books that will help shift perception away from being locked in. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I feel is sort of the moral of your story. Mm-hmm. You could have chosen to be identified with the culture and the chaos forever. I could have. And you didn't. I didn't. Something changed your perspective and made it possible. Correct. And so for that, I am incredibly grateful because you do bring a lot of light with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very, very welcome. So finding the hero in your husband, bait of Satan, atomic habit sounds like a departure. Yeah. So, So tell us about atomic habits. So I'm just, you know, I'm starting the second chapter, but um, just from the start, it's just, you know, daily habits, you know, daily habits in, you know, the habits in your daily life can, you know, just by waking up early, you know, having breakfast, you know, just to be able to have that sense of stability. And also it gives you a lot of having habit, good habits um, can also bring about a, a sense of freedom as also you won't be so restricted. Have they given you a definition yet of atomic? Yes, they did, but I don't have that. <laughs> uh, that's okay. As long as it's in the first part of the book. I'm a it first, is. Yeah. It is. I, I have read books that had titles, you know, like, you know, who would I be without? Mm. And you have to read the whole book to find out what comes after the ellipsis. You know, what comes after the space dot, space dot, space dot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh no, I am not ever reading a book like that again. You know, it was, it was, it was not going to happen. I want to know what I'm reading up front. Um, so that's, that's my, my gift to myself is to give myself permission. If it doesn't make sense to my brain in the beginning, yeah, then it may not make sense to my brain at the end. Why spend the time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I love the fact that this has brought so much stuff into your world already just from the first few pages yes but i do have one more book that really moved me oh good what man's search for meaning by victor frankel that was a great book i remember crying because it made me realize the things that i've gone through in my entire life um doesn't compare well it's it's heavy but just knowing what they went through during the auschwitz area era um it just you know, surviving psychologically, mindset. It's all about mindset. Man's Search for Meaning was written 
through the Holocaust and mm. then published afterwards. And you're right, it is about psychological survival as well as physical survival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that ability to have resilience. I can understand why that book would really resonate with you because you have demonstrated an amazing amount of resilience in your life. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. And I am so incredibly grateful for this conversation. Now we're going to have a chance to wrap this up a little bit. What else would you want someone to know if they realize that they're dealing with generational trauma? What would you say to someone who was just becoming aware that maybe that's what they're dealing with? Wow. Um, there are um, people out there, right? People or that can really help gosh you don't have to go about it alone that's oh yeah. there you go <laughs> so you don't have to go about it alone and i think that's the biggest thing is because you know when you're, you people tend to isolate themselves because they they think you know they're the only ones that are going through all the stuff that they're going through um in everything in anything everything and anything um and i think what you know it's that's not true we're all going through stuff um we're all sharing the same kind of challenges today um but i think that the biggest is that you don't have to go through it alone there's a there's places you know i started my journey with celebrate recovery but there's so many resources out there um yeah it's really interesting we're in a time and one of the biggest challenges of the covid era mm -hmm. is the isolation mm -hmm. and so to have this conversation about healing generational trauma and realize that the exact same piece of what's so important for someone to hear regarding generational trauma is exactly the same as what people need to hear to psychologically survive mm -hmm. the COVID conditioning that we're all under. Mental fortitude. Mental fortitude. So you don't have to do it alone. So you don't have to have all the fortitude yourself. I mean, we were built, we were made for community and there is a community out there, you know, that can help support you through this process. You just have to be vulnerable enough to just say, okay, I'm done. I want, I need help. That's a really huge piece. You have to be vulnerable enough to say, I want help. Yeah. It's just because your ego that's preventing you from, you know, I'm too cool. I got, I, I can do it by myself, you know. I don't want people to know. I don't want, and this is what we hear oh. regarding, you know, why people don't reach out for help on the topic of suicide. And it's the same thing. It sounds like, you know, they don't, you know, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want my boss to find out. You know, I don't want my family to worry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So which one was the biggest one for you? I can do it by myself. 
I got this. I can help myself. I don't need anybody, you know, cause I, I was a latchkey kid. I was left alone a lot. So I, that's what I learned is that I, I have to do it everything on my own. Got it. So that's a big one. This idea of what we learn. I got this. I think I was eight years old and I looked around and there wasn't anybody else around to deal with what was happening in, in the household at the time. And I'm the youngest. Mm. And there just wasn't anybody else who was, you know, um, mentally, emotionally, or physically available. Correct. And so what did I learn? I can do it. I can do it. You had this amazing experience because you figured out this one piece that you needed to heal this belief system of I can do it myself. You found that very early internet. And the only reason I can say that is because I was still operating under that system until we took on the mission to make mm -hmm. suicide a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time in my life that I took on something that was so big that I knew I could not do it alone. Mm -hmm. and, it, and that's what it took for me to break that habit of I can do it. Mm -hmm. I can handle it. I can tolerate it. I can get it done. I can, I can fix it. Mm. Yeah. And, and it, for me, that's what it took. It took being willing to take on something so big that I couldn't do it alone. Mm -hmm. so I am, you know, very much aware that you came to that a lot earlier than I did. And I'm like, yes. So that's why I wanted to know, what did you do? Because <laughs> I don't think anybody should have to take as long as I did to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It just, I don't know. I did. It, oh, because I, I took myself out of the equation. Mm. Right. There was a much bigger picture. Ah, your family. I, my kids, for sure. Your kids. Yeah. Absolutely. I just did. I just knew that it ends with us. So healing generational trauma is when you decide that this is the last generation. Absolutely. I love that. <sighs> Antoinette, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and go on this journey with me. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much, Jackie. Um, I do want to say one more book, The Body Keeps a Score. We don't have to talk about that, but The Body Keeps a Score is about child abuse. Um, so okay. that's another great, great book. Um, I'm writing it down. The Body Keeps the Score. Got it. Okay. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you so uh, much you're... for the work that you're doing. You know, I'm so happy that we met. Like, I know that we're going to do you and I will be communicating. Yeah, we're, we're going to do some projects together and you'll come back on, an, on a future summit and we'll give everybody a report on what we're co-creating. Oh, awesome. I look forward to that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you.